welcome to the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. The stories we tell ourselves and others shape the lives we lead. I'm your host, Dara Lise Lyons. Welcome to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. My guest today, Greg Holtzman, has a story to tell about using an adverse situation in his personal and professional life to impact the world in a positive way and to create a whole new, um, a whole new life experience than the one that he originally anticipated. All right, my name is Greg Holzman. I'm the creator and host of Philly Famous Podcast, uh, on which I interview Philly's most dynamic creators and leaders. I've done about 80 or so episodes, and I now have a TV show under the same name with, with Temple University, TUTV. Um, how I got into the podcast, uh, I was a, I'm a lifelong Philadelphian, uh, also a lifelong athlete, uh, and I went to a school in Ohio called Denison University to play D3 basketball. In my first two years, I suffered four concussions, um, and my playing career ended after the third one, which was at the end of my sophomore year. Um, and during the periods of recovery, uh, I really couldn't watch TV, I couldn't read, I couldn't exercise. So all I did was, was listen to podcasts. And that became uh, my life for like 10 hours a day, just sitting in bed listening to podcasts. And I got super into them. Um, and when, I, my, when my career officially ended, my doctor said, you can't, you can't really play any contact sports anymore. I transferred to Temple. And I was still, you know, really recovering. It's, it's honestly taken me over two years to fully recover. Um, I'm about 90, 95% right now. But when I transferred to Temple for my junior year, um, I still had a lot of time on my hands. And I figured I would start my own podcast and base it around highlighting the city that I missed so much when I was uh, away at school in Ohio. Um, and that's how it was born. And it started out as a, a fun little hobby for me, a way to, to a kind of a way to, just spend some time not, you know, pitying myself. Um, and it, it quickly grew, and, and it's still growing. And for me, it's just been a way to kind of reinvent my, myself and find a new identity. Um, and like I said, I now have a TV show with Temple, and I'm going to graduate next December. And uh, it's been, a, like, I, like I said, a way for me to, to kind of redirect my life. Greg's story of healing from adversity is um, tremendously inspirational. And if you're looking for an inspirational story or many inspirational stories about overcoming adversity or um, looking for ways that you can overcome adversity in your own life, one of our show sponsors, Loving Healing Press, has offered, generously offered 15% off to any listeners or viewers of the Transformational Storyteller podcast. So to take advantage of that 15% deal, you can go to lhpress.com backslash transformational storyteller. That's lhpress.com backslash transformational storyteller and enter the coupon code DARALEAST for a 15% off discount.
Greg, thank you so much for being here today. It's amazing to have you on, and I'm really excited to dig deeper into your story. Well, thank you for having me having me down here. I had to uh, return the favor before on my show. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, definitely, I was um, interviewed on Greg's show uh, not too long ago, and so we will put that in the show notes for people, um, absolutely, so that they can can listen to that. What's it like being on the uh, on the opposite side of the uh, of, of the table? What's it like being the one interviewed instead of the one uh, doing the interviewing? Well, I definitely have. I've done about three or four of these podcasts on being on this side of the interview, and I definitely have a, a deeper appreciation now for for my guests. <laughs> Um, for what I put them through in terms of uh, making them answer questions about their own lives and what they're doing. It's, it's tough. It's tricky. I, I much prefer being on the, the interviewer side. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like it's, it's interesting, though, because, uh, you know, we are talking about your life and what you're doing, but I feel like you have such a purpose and such a mission and that people need to know about that. And so does it become easier when you're not so much talking about you but talking about, like, kind of like what drives you and, and, and the purpose that you're called to do? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been pretty natural for me to tell my own story. Um, it, I, I think it just became so much of who I was. Um, and it's, it's interesting now. This is the first time that, I'm, that I've talked about my story uh, since I've been quote-unquote healthy. Every other time that I've told it, uh, at least formally or publicly, has been when I was really going through it. Um, and I was much more in touch with how I was feeling and um, much more aware of my symptoms. And, and I was in a way more negative, but it was very real for me. Um, so it's interesting now to, to think about it um, from a different perspective. Um, I'm in a much better place in my life. So I don't have to tell it with, the, with some gruesome details that I used to tell it with. Um, and it means something different to me now. Um, so I completely lost track of what you asked me. No, <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. Well, and I think it's interesting because this the name of this podcast is the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. And I think that that transformation, you know, when you're in the middle of that cocoon, right, you are, like, uh, in the process of emerging, it's a whole different experience than when you're on the other side. Um, but I find it helpful and useful to remember what it was like. So do you find that you kind of like have to force yourself to remember what it was like in order to value where you are now or, or do you not need to do that? Well, you used an interesting word. You said force yourself. Um, and one thing that I've kind of realized over the last year or so, two years since I've been, you know, gone through the injuries yeah. is sometimes when I, when I do try to think about my story, um, I do think, like, oh, my God, I have to remember exactly the way I felt so I can tell it perfectly, um, and so it means exactly what it should mean. And But what I realize is that your relationship, I think we talked about this on the podcast yeah, that we did together, yeah. is your relationship with the past is constantly changing, and, you're, and therefore your narrative is always changing. So for me, it's not so much about forcing myself to remember the details as they once were, yeah. but as they are now. Right. Um, so that takes a little pressure off myself to to not have to tell it exactly the way um, it, it maybe was, but that's not so much important, I don't think. I think it's about what it means for me now. What does it mean for you now, what you went through? I mean, do you, do you feel like there were a few, like, takeaways that you really have held on to? Yeah, a lot. I, I mean, I think that... I think that... There was times, a lot of times, when I was really going through it where I thought I would trade 
anything to not be going through it. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, I don't care if I'm not successful in my life or my life doesn't take on any meaning. As long as I'm not feeling the way I do right now, I will take my, I will, I will live that way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will live a very normal, comfortable life. As long as I don't have these symptoms and I'm not feeling the way I do right now. That being said, now that I'm healthier, I don't want my experience to go away. Like, I want that to be what I what I went through because I think it's made me who I am now, and it's it kind of is it's all paying off. But again, if you were to if I were to spin back into where I was, I probably would change again because it was just so painful and uncomfortable in the moment. Um, but now, now that I feel healthy again, that experience has so much positive meaning. Yeah. So it's a tricky balance to 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 understand that something you know adversity and and tragedy you know it makes you who you are but it's not it's not fun to go through oh no it's excruciating to go through and i think it that excruciating pain sort of needs to be felt there's nothing to do but to feel it and to muddle through and you had mentioned um previously like you know feeling a sense of self-pity and i kind of wanted to ask what's it like I mean, here you, you know, you were this incredible athlete. I'm sure you're still an incredible athlete, but you had, you know, you had a trajectory, a certain trajectory that you were thinking your life would take of playing college basketball and, you know, and, and having these hopes and dreams. And so, you know, what level of grief do you have now or, or did you need to go through to sort of get to where you are now? Well, grief, so I didn't really explain it too much in, in my little yeah. intro story, but like, the grief from losing basketball wasn't really the main thing. Um, it probably took me, when my basketball career officially like ended and I knew I wasn't going to play anymore, yeah. that maybe lasted a month or so of the sadness of losing a big part of my identity and what I really loved to do. But after that first month when my health was still getting worse and worse, the grief became, okay, am I going to live a normal life? Am I going to yeah. be a healthy human being? Yeah. Um, and that's when, like, a real deep, heavy depression set in. Um, it was much deeper than losing basketball. It was, am I going to be able to read? Am I going to be able to, like, go to school again? Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, like, am I going to be able to, ha you know, be a functioning human being? Um, that became a real fear and a real worry. Um, so that that level of grief was a completely different thing from, from losing a sport. Right, right. And it sounds like because you were so worried about that and because that in and of itself was so painful, um, it almost like eclipsed any concern or any ability to think about, you know, the the more surface level things, right? Like that it, w it was so deep that yeah, you and just I had think, to... Yeah, and I think that if I had gotten, at any point in the last two years, if I had become healthier earlier, I would have then, you know, had time to sit back and think about losing basketball. But now that it's been over two years um, and I'm just now getting healthy, like I've been through so much that basketball just feels like a, a lifetime ago. Yeah. Um, whereas if I think like it only took me a couple months to heal, I would have then really <laughs> reflected on basketball and probably, you know, I probably would have been pretty sad about that. Because um, it would have been so so present or, or so recent that I would have lost it. It would have been so fresh in my mind. But now that it's so far away, um, you know, I, I've gotten back into to working out in terms of shooting and and getting back in shape. I mean, I haven't done any contact or anything like that. But I, I've stayed I've stayed in touch with the game. Um, 
But, I mean, like you said, like the sadness of losing it was just so minuscule in comparison to to the, the reality of, of what I was going through. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, um, and also, you know, I've had some concussions myself, and I... You know, my experience of having a concussion is that there is the very real depression of, okay, you know, I can't function in my life or, you know, I'm, I'm in pain. But I think concussions themselves and brain injury and brain trauma can cause like a biochemical depressive effect. So what, do you think, was that part of it as it's well? It's really interesting you say that because when I explained to people what depression was for me, because I think it's different for everybody. Yeah. What it was for me was twofold exactly what you said it was the first part of it was okay losing basketball um you know ups, uh, being down about my situation right. um but i think a larger part of it was like you said like a chemical imbalance in my brain from being knocked yes um it wasn't something that i could just flip a switch flip my attitude and be like okay i'm going to feel better now it was i needed a chemical intervention and that's why i started on, on antidepressants and all that um, but you're exactly right. Like the actual knocks to my head caused a, a chemical imbalance. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And that's why, I mean, you know, CTE is uh, so talked about and so prevalent. And why, I mean, I, I did some research on this because I went through a sim. It wasn't the same thing, but when I had um, my concussions, like the brain swells. It's, it's almost like you get a bruise or something and, you know, your body wants to swell, but there's nowhere for it to go. So your brain is just swelling in your skull and it's just painful. It's, I mean, I know you mentioned that all you could do was sit, you know, in a dark room and listen to podcasts and, and then that in and of itself creates a lot of, you know, a lot of pain. So I guess I want to ask, like, do you, Looking back now, do you remember like when things sort of started to shift for you or what was the catalyst to starting to kind of feel physically better? Well, yeah. What was difficult is that I've had a few of those moments and then, and then setbacks. Yeah. So I've had four concussions, but I've had about 20 what I called irritations, which were like minor little teeny bumps that everyone goes through, like everyone has in everyday life. But for me, they become, I was hyper acutely aware of these bumps. Yeah. Um, and they would cause about a week more of, of intense symptoms. So, like, some people might call them new concussions. To me, they weren't because they were just a week long of, you know, exacerbated yeah. symptoms. Um, so I've had about 20 of those. Um, so this past summer, um, I started to get healthy again. I was, I was working out again. I was starting to, like, because for me, exercise has always been the last straw. Um, like I could, you know, read, I could read and I could watch TV and all that kind of stuff with barely any symptoms, but exercise was always the thing that really got to me, um, and really messed my head yeah. up. Um, so this summer I got to a point was that where I was exercising again and then I had another major setback and school started up and it just all spiraled downhill again. Um, and I went, what I thought was like, I'm, I'm at ground zero again. Like I'm, I was the wrong word. Ground zero is something else, but I was, I was at the bottom floor again and I, uh, and I, 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 I put myself into a deeper depression and I also had been off the medication for a while. Um, so I had to drop out of school for the semester. Um, and so this was in September, we're now yeah. in March. Um, I went to a, a concussion uh, kind of specialty place in Orlando called Plasticity Brain Center um, where they were apparently doing this like innovative uh, work with with brain injuries uh, and using new techniques, and I was there for a week. Okay. Um, 
and I was a little disappointed. It was, it was, I thought I made some progress, but I was disappointed because I, I didn't feel, it wasn't the magic bullet I was right, looking for. Right. Um, so I, I came home, I was still doing their exercises three or four times a day um, for about another month, and I, I was, was still wasn't really getting better, and I got back on the antidepressants, and then that made all the difference, at least at the start. Like, it was crazy. Like, my main symptom over the last two years has been dissociation, okay. which um, other people call fogginess. It essentially feels like you're drunk and hungover at the same time. Um, you feel like you're in a, a dream. Like, you're not really right, there. Right, yeah. Um, and, like, I would feel that 24 hours a day, every day, um, for months at a time. And for... I can't explain why or how, but the antidepressants really almost cured that. And I don't, I can't explain the science behind it, but when I asked my doctor, he basically just said, it just, the antidepressants just make your brain work better. So maybe, he, didn't, he yeah. couldn't give me an answer. But the antidepressants really helped that. So there was the Orlando treatment, there was the antidepressants, and then to clear up the last bit of symptoms, I started using CBD. Um, really? Okay. Which... I'm not sure if everyone knows. It's I mean, it's a pretty it's a buzzword right now. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, CBD is the strain of marijuana that's not THC. Um, it doesn't get, it doesn't get, it doesn't get you high. It just has medical uh, benefits. So uh, a friend of mine who has concussions recommended it to me, and I started taking it every day. The oil, um, and that kind of cleared up the last bit of symptoms. And for the last month and a half now, I've been exercising every day. I've been going full force in school, and I had no more restrictions. So I think I say I feel about ninety five percent, and I may never get above ninety five percent. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm. I mean, I were. I had much of the last two years. I wasn't even twenty percent. Like I felt like I wasn't even a human being the way yeah, I felt. Yeah. Well, and I mean, talk about the transformation. The fact that you went from just sort of saying to yourself, like, okay, well, I, if, as long as I have some sort of existence, like, I just want to be a normal, you know, human being, and now you're functioning at a level that many people who have had no history of brain injury, you know, no history of setback, aren't functioning at. The fact that you're in school, you know, you're, you're working, you're, um, I mean, the podcast, Philly Famous podcast, like, you've had how many interviews? You said I've done it over 80. Yeah, yeah, over 80 interviews and um it's not just an interview you're doing like a deep dive into these people's lives and you're researching and you're cataloging information which if if someone's dealing with dissociation or brain fog and trying to research people i mean i just feel like it's incredible what you're what you're doing well thank you um life's become a lot easier and in general any any small real life issue that i've had in the last few months feels it's it's nothing to me yeah. like a bad day like what's a bad day like I feel I feel good like that's like nothing exterior that happens to me um really gets to me anymore yeah. um I think what I was trying to say with <laughs> going back to the podcast is now I've done so many interviews where I felt terrible yeah. that now like it just feels like light work like you know what I mean yeah. um I, I've done it when I like, I, I some of my best interviews actually have been when I when I was dissociated, when I felt completely out of it. Um, so so now it's 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 just not difficult. I mean, it, I still have a lot of 
Um, I don't mean to say I'm in any way a, a perfect or a great interviewer. I'm still getting better every day. But in terms of the way I feel while I'm interviewing, it, it's so much more comfortable now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I wonder if part of you mentioned that, you know, some of your best interviews have been when you're maybe not on your game. I wonder if it's because the interview itself kind of gives you like a purpose or something to focus on outside of, you know, outside of the pain or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely uh, a therapeutic tool for me um, to be talking about other people's lives and to get out of my own head um, and that self-pity we were talking about um, and to be constantly analyzing how I felt. Um, to, to be able to like sit down and, and take a, like you said, take a deep dive into someone else's life was, was helpful for me. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, I wonder, because you're young, I don't know exactly how old 22. you are. You're 22. Do you find that, I mean, having gone through what you've gone through, um, like, are you fully able to relate to your peers, or is there a part of you, because you mentioned that you're not really sweating the small stuff, that you have this deeper, uh, larger perspective, and then you're also interviewing, you know, like movers and shakers around Philly who are doing big things. Like, do you find that you're kind of not like super invested in the things that your peers are invested in? Well, I think everyone everyone goes through their shit. Like everyone yeah. has a trauma at some point in their lives. Mine just happened to be when I was between the ages of, of 20 and 22. Right. Um, some people go through it when they're younger. Some people go through it when they're older. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a, an amazing family. Um, uh, we, we've, I have tons of support. Um, I have lots of friends that, that don't have that yeah. um, in their lives and that uh, you know, have had parents leave when they were young and, and, and stuff like that. So every, I mean, everyone goes through trauma at different levels. Right. So I'm in, no, I'm in no room to kind of say that my trauma was, was bigger than someone else's. Um, but like, I mean, so yeah, I think it is interesting. I think that um, it's allowed me to connect on deeper levels with some with some people, whether they're my age or, or older, right, right. because um, I've gone through something real. Um, where before I, I don't before what I went through, like I don't, I think I was I liked who I was, but I didn't really have a, a story to tell, um, and I didn't really have something deep to connect with people about. But now that I've gone through something that has put me into a depression and has really impacted my daily life, I now can really um, connect with others that have went through similar situations. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really answer your question there, but uh, yeah. No, I feel like you did. And and I was also, you know, I read up on you. There's um, there's some really great articles, <laughs> articles about you and what you've gone through. And um, one of them was speaking about, and I remember too, in our interview together, you talked about this, that like, you had been exposed to a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life mm -hmm. your whole life because yeah. of basketball, because of, you know, different things. And so I wonder, you know, I wonder if having that ability to kind of meet people where they are and also like understand that everybody does go through stuff. Like, I wonder if that's something that came even before the accidents. Yeah, I think... I think my awareness of all that has always been there. I think the empathy mm. from it didn't really develop until what I went through. So yeah, like you said, um, growing up, playing basketball, but also the schools that I went to allowed me to be around and be friends with people from all walks of life. Um, so I grew up um, 
kindergarten through ninth grade, I went to a, an elite private school, yep. um, Penn Charter. Um, and I had friends there that, um, I had one friend that ha has a hockey rink in his basement, an ice hockey rink. Um, that type of wealth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I needed a life change and I, I went to Central High School for 10th grade through, through 12th grade. Um, it's the most diverse school in the country, like statistically. It's 30% yeah. 30 white, 30 Asian, 30 black, and 10% other. Wow. And, you know, I had friends there from all different parts of the city, all different parts of the world, uh, different cultures. And, you know, and I had friends there that shared a bed with their own brother. Um, yeah. Just yeah. So, such different levels of, of socioeconomic status. Um, but, you know, it's not that I only knew people like this. Like, I was really good friends with people from all over right. the yes. spectrum. Yes. Um, and that's always allowed me to... to feel well-versed with lots of different types of people. And that's been huge for me um, as an interviewer. And that's something I didn't really think about until recently when I was asked about that in a recent article, is that's really um, helped me to to be able to, to listen to others while I'm interviewing them and really be able to um, understand their stories because I have I have really, you know, close friends that have, like, like, like I said, have been from all walks of life. Yeah. Um, so that's been helpful as an interviewer. Well, and I think, you know, you mentioned empathy. I think that that is the great, like, human unifier, right? That we all have pain. We all have trauma. We all have, um, you know, areas of ourselves in our lives that we wish were different. You know, we all have things about ourselves that we like, you know? And I think that um, that ability to connect with people sort of regardless of the top layer circumstances is really, you know, is, is critical. And the more connecting with other people that we do, the more aware we are that like we're all basically the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we all have the same fears, same insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We all we all go through life at, at, at like I said different levels and different times, but we all we all go through it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in terms of kind of fears and insecurities and things that we're going through, I mean, you've just come out of this incredibly painful time, and I'm I'm wondering like what are you like what are the next sort of steps for you what are the what are the things that are next like in your life that you're the challenges that you're wanting to take on well it's funny like my mom is like stressing like crazy about me getting these internships and okay. again like we talked about for me like yeah I, I'm gonna try hard to get these you know good internships but this is not something that's gonna stress me out it's not something that's gonna bring me down because I've been through so much worse and for me just feeling healthy on a daily basis being around good people, eating good food, exercising, that's what's going to make me happy. Yeah. Um, everything else is gravy. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've been grinding with my podcast and I have this TV show now and I would love to um, continue on this path to be a high-level interviewer. Um, and, and for that to happen, I'm going to need to, to do well in school and I'm going to need to um, network and get jobs. But again, like, that, to me, that's, that's not going to cause any emotional pain. Like, right, yeah. right. Yeah, well, and um, how, does, uh, how does the sociology fit within that, like, life view? Yeah, I mean, so I started a liberal arts school, mm -hmm. and I took, a, I took a, like, a lot of liberal arts classes, like philosophy and psychology and political science and, um, and sociology, and I ended up really liking the study of people and culture. Um, and when I came to Temple, that's when I started the podcast, but it was too late to change my major into media. Right. Um, but I don't, that's not a bad thing. I actually really like being in sociology because I think just the liberal arts in general helps you to become a good critical thinker, um, a really practiced writer, public speaking, which has been helpful. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's, I mean, I know I've, I've, I've 
I really value lived experience, and we've talked about my experience with different types of people, but in sociology, you also learn about different types of people and human interaction and societal issues. So it's it all helps me, I think, become a a better person, which has allowed me to be a better interviewer. Right, right. Well, and a better understander of the dynamics that make people, like, that, that make us who, who we are, you know? And I think that um, so much of, you know, like, I guess so much of uh, who I am is a product of, like, my innate being, but also the relationships in my life, the culture that I grew up in, you know, the family systems, and, uh, and sociology deals with all of that, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it really, like, applies to, like, like, I really could go into any field because I'm a sociology major. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have a really good baseline understanding of human nature. Right. Um, and that's been helpful. Yeah. Well, and so um, one of the things that I like to ask all of my guests who come on, on this show, because it is a transformational yeah. storytelling podcast, is, you know, if you, if you could sort of look at your life as a story, as a narrative, and you could go back um, and, and sort of pull out maybe like a moral or a lesson or whatever, like what, do you, what would you want people to learn from your, your life example? Hmm. So I could pick out one one moment or one... Or, yeah, like a lesson or a theme or a moral or something like that. I mean, there's, there's a few that come to mind. Um, and you don't have to limit yourself to one. You can, you, you can tell a couple right. if you want. I think, um, you know, back to empathy uh, and kindness, I think I was, I was never a bully in any sense, but um, just like any moment where there was any... any um, you know, harmful, intense, or anything, any any meanness. Um, that's like the only thing that's like cringeworthy for me when I look back at my life. Mm. Um, again, like I said, like I was a relatively, I've always been a relatively kind person. But anytime I wasn't, those moments I wish I could, I wish I could take back. Yeah. Um, I think just in general, um, being good to other people is is so important and can take you such a long way and and can really change other people's lives if you're just kind. Yeah. Um, there's that, and then there's also um, Jim, Jimmy V, who's like he, he was a coach at um, North Carolina State in the in the '80s, and there was a documentary made about him. Um, his and he, you know, he died of cancer. Um, and his his quote at the ESPYS in his in his last ever speech was, um, "Don't give up, don't don't ever give up." And you know, there, not to get too morbid, but there was like real moments um, in the last two years where like I was very close to giving up. Um, and I think just for anybody going through any real tough, um, you know, issue or trauma, just the just knowing that it can always get better, yeah. I think that's so important. Um, especially like you said, like the chemicals in my brain were fucked up, so like I had to really dig deep to really get myself through what I was going through. But what really just stuck in my mind was like it can get better and it will get better. Um, so that's the second thing. Yeah, well, and I have so many follow-up questions about those things. So um, in terms of, like, believing that it can get better, because when your brain chemistry is off, and I've had that, you know, I've had that both from a post-concussive uh, um, issues. I've had that from just, like, life depression and anxiety and suicidal ideations and things, and thank God it's been a while. But I, 
you know, there is a part of you that feels like it never will. I think that's a symptom of the depression. Absolutely. Feeling like, no, I am here and this is where I'm going to be for forever. So for you personally, like, what what are you believing in? Is it a spiritual thing for you? Is it like a process thing? Like, what, what do you believe in? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, it's so cliche. My grandma, like, preaches this to me. It's just like, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, what will be, will be. Um, and for me, yeah, I mean, it, you're right. I mean, there was extreme moments of hopelessness and helplessness yeah. where it was like I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It was just gone. It was darkness. Um, but, yeah, that just the simple thing is like everything happens for a reason and just the belief that it, something, there has to be some deeper meaning here. It can't just, this can't just be my life. Right, right. And I don't think you would have found your life purpose if not for these concussions. I mean, I don't think oh, the Philly famous podcast wouldn't exist. Right, you know, like right. you, wouldn't, um, you wouldn't be sitting here today. You probably would have just finished out your basketball career and then you'd gone into a job doing what? Like, what I, don't, do you, I don't know. You, I mean, right, but, right, but you're right. Yeah, but, you're, right. you're right in the sense that um, I found a, a deeper purpose. But it's more than just the, you know, external stuff like jobs and all that like, and, and what I want to do in my career. Like, it's really changed my perspective on who yeah. I am in the world around me. And that, I mean, again, the, the, the question that is, has been um, at the forefront of my mind for a long time has been, okay, what is more important, meaning or happiness? Because, um, like I said, there were moments where, in the last two years, where all I wanted was ignorant happiness. I don't care if I um, understand the, myself or the world any better than I do right now. Like, I just want to be ignorantly happy. Um, and I thought that was what at the end of the day, was, was important. And that, that still might be what's important. But what my thought is right now, and I could be wrong, is that what's, what's almost more important than that is when you get to a, um, a deeper self-understanding and understanding of the world around you, um, that deep level of meaning can turn into a deeper level of happiness than just ignorant happiness. Um, I don't think... I think ignorant happiness is a very... Like, a very... Um, sort of fleeting thing. Like, I think it's possible to be ignorant and happy in a given moment, but I think that ultimately what gives us a sense of, of genuine, like, collective, sustained happiness in life is to have more of a sense of meaning or purpose. Well, yeah, I agree. I don't think happiness is sustainable, per se. I think happiness is ebbs and flows. Right, I don't right. think it's a constant thing, because then it wouldn't be happiness. Right, 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 um, yeah. It has to be compared to something else. Um, but I think that... Hold on, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh yeah, so I think that to to achieve real meaning, you have to go through some sort of trauma. Yeah. And I think that my theory it hasn't been proven yet because I haven't like got to the other side of the mountain. My theory is that when you go through a deep, deep trauma, you're inevitably going to be quote unquote like woke to the world yeah. and, and, the, and the ugliness in it, and that's going to set you into depression. And once you get out of that depression, I th I think there's another side of the mountain where it's a really deep, genuine level of, of not bliss, but of, of meaning and happiness yeah. that can, but it has to be born out of pain. Well, and I, I, I mean, I can speak to that a little bit from my own experience being, you know, years on the other side right. of, of um, eating disorder and depression and all that is that I, I agree with you. I think that, yeah, like there does come this like moment of awakening and this experience of it, but also because of the nature of, being a human being in this world, I find that like it's possible to have that happen and then go 
back into you know like being unwoke or whatever. Like yeah, I feel like that yeah. that 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 uh, that meaning is something that like it doesn't just happen once. It's like you mentioned exercise. It's like you know you can exercise once or even for a week or even a month or a year, but then if you stop doing it, those muscles kind of go away and atrophy, right. and then you have to kind of like do it again. So I, um, you know, and I don't. I, I think we all go through a lot of different adverse experiences in life and and get to the other side a better person for them. And that's why the, the process of self-discovery doesn't end. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, just because I went through what I went through, I'm now like, I'm now who I'm meant to be and that's it. Like, no, it, it's, I mean, life's going to go on and I'm going to go through more trials and tribulations yeah. and yeah. Um, much more moments of, of self-doubt um, and self-discovery. So I completely agree with you that... Um, you know, it's not something that just turns off and it's over. Right. Well, and, um, you know, you mentioned about meanness, you know, that you, like, that those are the cringeworthy moments, you said, for you when you look back. And um, I wonder, you know, like, where do you think that, where do you think that comes from? Because I, I know I used to be um, less kind to people than I am now, and I certainly used to be less kind to myself. And so do you think empathy is the thing that allows you to like sort of be less mean do you think it's self-centeredness that kind of creates mean like what do you think kind of I mean leads to that I mean, what's what's the what's the real purpose of, of yeah. not being kind to somebody like that to yeah, me yeah, yeah. Um, I think despite the seriousness of, of my circumstances the last two years I have actually begun to take myself much less seriously yeah. um, and, and take the world much less seriously and when you, when you really break it down and, and you and you think about how small you are in comparison to the to the, yeah. to the universe, yeah. um, I, mean, I, I mean, this I, mean, I just went off a tangent, but like, what's the purpose of not being kind to somebody? Right. Like, right. What's that gonna What's that gonna achieve for you or for anybody else? It's just putting negative energy into the world. And well, yeah. who needs that? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the kinder that we are to other people, the more connected we feel to them, you know, and to ourselves. I mean, I think that really you know, in terms of, like, to bring it back to the sociological perspective yeah. of what you're studying, like, I mean, I think that being unkind to anybody, it's, like, it creates this sense of false separation, right? And then, like, and then there is no way to really connect with them. Well, any, I mean, all, like, animosity and, and meanness is, is, is really only, only stems from your own fear and insecurity. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. it's really never about the other person. Um, and once you're aware of that, you even if you you, you still feel those insecurities and, and that fear, um, the awareness that that's what that that's what you're feeling prevents you from taking it out on others. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so great. I feel like I um, like I could talk to you for hours, and I felt that way when you when you interviewed me. Um, and uh, I yeah. So um, definitely, I want to make sure that people know kind of like where to connect with you. Um, so if you could just tell all our uh, listeners and viewers kind of where to find you and where to find a Philly Famous podcast, uh, that would be great. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, so yeah, uh, Philly Famous podcast, you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get uh, your listening. Um, it's Philly Space Famous Space Podcast. Um, we're on social media, on Instagram, at Philly Famous Podcast, on Twitter, at Philly Famous Pod. We have a website um, at phillyfamouspodcast.com where you can find all the episodes, the 80 episodes, plus I think we now have five or six TV shows up there. Um, they're on the website. Um, it takes you to YouTube. 
Um, we've done with, like, uh, we've done with Aaron McKee, Mark Vetri, uh, Nicole Marquis from Hip City Veg, Chill Moody, one of Philly's best rappers. Um, those, are, those are the TV shows. Um, so you can find all that on the website. Um, you can feel free to reach out to me through there. Um, I'm an email, it's just greg.holtman at gmail.com. Would love to connect with anybody. Um, always looking to, to collaborate, uh, have new guests. Um, I think that's about it for me. Yeah, well, yeah. that's a lot, and we're definitely going to put that in the show notes so that people can, um, you know, link up with you there. And thank you, thank you again. I've learned so much, and I'm I'm inspired to be kinder, and I'm also inspired um, to really, you know, reflect on the things that the things that matter and the things that are meaningful, and to not take life so damn seriously. <laughs> so thank you so much. No, thank you so much. Many thanks to our show sponsor, Just Strong. Just Strong is a lifestyle and clothing brand for athletes um, that emphasizes the experience of getting back up after uh, adversity and really pushing through during difficult times. Their motto or their logo is the squat because what they say is that after getting down, uh, the real strength and the real work is in getting back up uh, to your feet. So Just Strong has offered 10% off to any of our viewers and or listeners. So to take advantage of that discount, go to juststrong.com. That's juststrong.com and enter the coupon code DARALEASE10 for 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. As always, thanks to our episode sponsors, our production team at Rebel Hill Consulting, and of course, many thanks to you, the listener. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you're creating stories that empower you and inspire others. Thank you.